This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Hello, everybody. Recording live. Welcome back to the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Matthew Robertson. You can find all of my wonderful opinions on Twitter at mrobertson22. Uh, I'm a staff writer and podcast host at lookoutlanding.com. And we've got a full house today. Before I introduce our guest, uh, let's toss it over to my friends, my editors, my co-hosts for this episode, starting with Kate Prusser. Kate, how are you holding up? I'm good. I'm good. It's exciting to see baseball activities coming back. So, um, yeah, I'm honestly, even though obviously concerned about the execution of the season still and the health and safety protocols, way happier than I've been in literal months, so feeling good that's great uh, we've also got john troop in here john any public health opinions or you know <laughs> research you want to cite before we get into baseball absolutely not i i am unlike joe west gonna keep my any any sort of major opinions just <laughs> off off the radar does this also mean you won't be dropping your country album anytime soon because i was looking forward to that <sighs> yeah my bad that is that's on me no uh no just kind of be be safe and don't listen to me sing. It like I've that is the only public health uh, recommendation I have for folks. Okay, good, good to know. We'll keep an eye out for 
I guess whatever it is that John's working on, whether it's health related or perhaps country music adjacent. <laughs> keep keep uh, no eyes on it. <laughs> well, without further ado, then let's get into the show. Today we are joined by Mariners pitcher Joey Gerber, one of the players included in the Mariners uh, 60 man pool for the upcoming season and currently one of 60 summer campers taking part in the Mariners workouts at T-Mobile Park. Uh, for anyone who's not familiar, Joey was an eighth round pick by Seattle in 2018 out of the University of Illinois and finished last season with a 1.59 ERA in AA. Joey, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for joining us. Are you coming to us live from the Mariners team hotel right now? I am, yep. Just sitting in my room at the Embassy Suites. I need to know, uh, is is Milton the butler a thing? Milton oh, the robo-butler? M- oh, Milton is the greatest thing about this hotel. So he's like this mini cylindrical robot guy who, he's got a fake tux. What? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's like built into his thing. So he's not wearing a tux, but it's like painted on or something. And yeah, he looks like R two Dito's like fancy cousin, like his yacht club cousin. <laughs> he will go like you can call the front desk and ask for like I've done this multiple times. Ask Milton to bring me silverware, and Fantastic. he will go. He'll I, they'll put the silverware in him or something, and he will go to the elevator. He'll go up by himself, and then when he's at your door, he calls you. And then you go to the door, and Milton's there with your silver. <laughs> I'm a little worried, like, what technology we paused while we were working on the technology to make Milton the silverware <laughs> delivery robot. <laughs> like, probably there's something important that didn't get worked on to do that, and yet I am totally delightful, delighted that, uh, that Milton exists in our world. Oh, he brings, he brings a lot of joy Um I know me and a couple other people have just we've been we whenever Milton comes up we just videotape him and <laughs> he's just hilarious. Yes, I've seen I've seen Donnie Walton, Braden Bishop, Tim Lopes all post different. That was how I knew to ask about him is they've all posted different. Which I mean, it should not be as fascinating content as it is. It's literally just watching a robot roll down the hall how it was somebody's water or something. But uh, I find it incredibly incredibly delightful one of oh, the he's highlights a local celebrity <laughs> can can milton go like from one room to another like what's the pranking potential because this feels like it is very oh, yeah. like, very well suited for pranking if you could like call him for someone else's room something like that yeah well i suppose you can call him for somebody else's room uh but once once he comes to your room i think he's programmed to just go back to the front desk uh, so where he's like, probably sprayed down with all kinds of industrial bleach. I'm <laughs> sure. I mean, you got to make sure to wash your hands after using him too, because you do have you do have to press a button saying that you received the stuff from Milton. Mm. So, because that's what tells him to go back to the elevator. So. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Um, I know that Matthew is interested, and in, uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Like all of you guys shacked up together at this hotel like adult summer camp i mean in some ways it's a really appealing and like fun kind of idea to think about yeah i mean it's uh i mean i've had a lot of fun here i mean you know you once once you make sure that everybody who you're hanging out with has 
you know, tested negative for the coronavirus. It's basically you're just hanging out with your friends kind of and just, you know, enjoying the time off from the field. And, you know, you go to the field, you play baseball. So, you know, baseball's back. That's all you can ask for. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Joey, it sounds like y'all are basically having like a big hotel sleepover kind of like i don't know an, an overnight camp you went to as a kid or maybe like a youth baseball tournament where you're all staying in the same hotel does it feel kind of like like that vibe or like you said you're either in the hotel and then you're playing baseball like it's got to be kind of like being a kid again where like your whole life was just baseball and then hanging out with your teammates at like the hotel pool or whatever yeah i mean it's I guess, i'd say it's a little different because obviously we're all adults now but it's it's pretty <laughs> similar to um like when you're out there in arizona before spring training uh and it's like january you don't have a car and you're just hanging out at the apartments like across the street it's a pretty similar vibe to that except uh obviously there's certain things you can't do because of the coronavirus and you have to be extra cautious about you know some things but for the most part yeah it's it's a pretty it's a relaxed it's a lot of fun it's it's a lot of fun still to be back are there rules? Are there rules for like what you're allowed to do and who you're allowed to see? Because with the virus, I'm sure they don't want everyone, you know, like pinging back and forth between the rooms. So is it like, like a MySpace situation where you have to choose your top eight friends and those are the only people you're allowed to see, or do they let you like <laughs> roam around and hang out with everyone on the team? Well, it's technically the M- I know the MLB doesn't have rules about this technically, but you're you got to be smart about what you're doing, so. I know, like, what I do is I really hang out with just a couple people for the most part, if I'm hanging out with anybody at all, off the field. So, it's, I just, like, for instance, like, Logan's one of my friends here in the org, so I'll go to his room, we'll just kind of sit in the same room, we're a little distance too. I mean, you you can't just be, like, you can't go out anywhere or anything, but, you know, we'll just sit there, talk, you know, hang out stuff like that so it's it's not like i'm not going from everyone's room because at some point somebody's going to be testing positive right. probably mm-hmm. so you you got to be a little wary about what you're doing what do you spend your time with i mean do you guys have like video games books like what how are you passing all this time you know i ask myself that question <laughs> also <laughs> you know I, what am i doing here uh but <laughs> Um, you know, I I kind of regret it. I didn't bring my PS4 out. Oh Probably no! Mistake. Um, I for whatever reason I thought it was a smart decision at the time. Uh, I don't think it was, but you know, that's <laughs> that's all right. Um, you know, I I guess yeah, I've been reading, watching TV here. Um, just going to you know, hanging out, I guess, in a couple other people's rooms and either playing their video games or watching TV with them or just having, you know, normal conversations, usually about baseball or something. Yeah, it's a classic sleepover. You're all just, you know, talking about whatever's on your mind, doing the, you know, who do you like? What's going on in your life sort of thing. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Have you asked Have you asked Milton to try and deliver a PS4? Because that right. seems like it should be, or convert into yeah become a ps4 yes (laughs) that's what i need transformer situation are you able to get out and see the city at all or is it pretty much i mean i know that we're still on a lot of lockdown but um so a lot of places aren't open but 
you know, I I've wa- you walk a couple places to get food. Like sometimes I'll order food for pickup and then I'll walk over there, pick it up, and then leave. Um, but you know, most places are shut down, and even even if they were open, where like just you want to do everything you can so that you're not responsible for the season shutting down or you're giving people coronavirus. So I'm pretty hesitant about you know going places with lots of people or even even like taking an uber i'm to go somewhere i mean you have to go in this uber guy's car and who's been in his car and stuff so i'm i'm a little hesitant about all that stuff so i really haven't been able to do much other than walk within maybe half mile from the hotel to various places that's something i hadn't considered is like of course you don't want to be the one to like bring everything down so it's an intense sense of responsibility i'd imagine i know the angels have gotten together as a group and uh all kind of made this pledge that they're not going to go out to bars or restaurants or do anything that like puts people into danger which again seems like basic common sense although it's we're not hearing about that from a lot of other mm-hmm. organizations have there been discussions like where everybody's kind of gotten together and said okay, yeah, we we all promise to be smart, we all promise to be safe, we all promise to look out for ourselves as well as each other? Uh, I mean, there hasn't been, like, a group meeting. Well, I mean, I'm sure S- Scott Service has mentioned this um, in, like, team meetings and stuff, but it's really, honestly, it's an unsaid thing that everyone kind of agrees upon. Like, you can't go to, <laughs> you can't go to bars. It's, I'm, I think we've got a group chat, so... I'm like 99% sure somebody's mentioned it, but it's everybody's on the same page. Everyone's on the same page that you can't be going out and congregating around, you know, other people who aren't a part of the baseball team. Mm-hmm. And even, even then too, like if you, I mean, when you're at the field where you're around everybody, you're still socially distancing as best you can. Everybody still has to wear a mask for, you know, all the protocol that's around. There's a whole bunch of things set up. So it's it's one of those things where, I mean, every everyone's on the same page trying to do what they can to make sure the season gets underway. Yeah, because the stakes are so, everybody's mm-hmm. so invested in being able to have the sport come back. We are definitely as fans, but. Right, yeah, sure. and it's not like the coronavirus cases are going down here either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be even more cautious about you know (laughs) trying to make it work when Mm -hmm. it seems like society is going the other way yeah man coronavirus aside joey how are you liking seattle you get a nice introduction with the summer you didn't have to come in like the middle of rainy season but still been kind of a weird weather for us summer wise so i'm wondering what your first thoughts were when you got here as a kid from oh honestly i love this weather I I thrive in this cool, cloudy <laughs> environment because you know I've I've got pretty fair skin and <laughs> I squint if the sun is out. So if there's clouds, I can just like have my eyes open normally without sunglasses on, and I I like it cool too. Like not too cold. Like if it's in the fifties, it's too cold for summer. But like you know if if it's you know sixties and seventies, I'm. I'm living life here. This is nice. (laughs) This is so fantastic to hear because it is a tough, for a lot of people, um, we've, you know, we've seen a lot of Seattle sport athletes come in and 
they come in from all over the country and a lot of them complain about the weather because it is like this a lot you know not necessarily always raining but you know we're not gonna have beautiful summer days every day of the summer like it rains on the 4th of july very often here so yeah but i mean you don't you guys don't have bugs out here no, so like no, you know i'm from no. minnesota and or and i spent you know my summers playing baseball in the midwest and <laughs> you know you got a lot of bugs it's really hot and humid so mm -hmm. okay i mean maybe it's gonna rain here every once in a while but it's i mean i'm not you know drenched in sweat because it's 90 and 100% humidity. So I'll take okay. it. I I mean, I will take the cool weather and, you know, sort of grayish days anytime over humidity. When I first moved to the East Coast, I was like, what? What is this? Why is the air wet? This is so unbelievably <laughs> gross. I had no concept of humidity. And uh, I can imagine, especially as a fair skinned person. You were in Everett too, though, right? So you had some. Yeah, I was in Everett. Yeah sometime getting used to the the weather and whatnot i bet it's a lot nicer to be here in july than in say arkansas weather wise arkansas and modesto <laughs> last year man it's it's just it's something else you know being out there i mean it's it's not that it's bad if you're just out there as a normal person but it's it's the fact you have to be out there you know at 2.30 in the heat of the day, the sun is just beating down on you. And the thing about Arkansas, too, is uh, the Little Rock Stadium is right by the river. And when I was there, I lived in the hotel that was... There was a ho team hotel downtown. Mm -hmm. And so I'd have to walk across the bridge every single day. And by the time I made it to the other side of the bridge, I would be drenched in sweat. <laughs> because it was just so humid going over the river and... It was also 95 degrees. Cal Raleigh has said that he not only brought extra tops to the ballpark with him, but extra pants. Like he sweat through his pants. Yeah. I mean, you have to take, you had to take at least two showers a day at the, f I mean, you'd take that anyway, I suppose, a lot of times. But like, you have, it's, I took maybe four showers a day when I was in Arkansas just because, <laughs> you know, you just sweat so much terrible but you know i was it was a lot of fun baseball there so you know yeah that was out. a fun team <laughs> it, was it was a fun team so uh especially in that bullpen that bullpen looked like um maybe the most fun that has been had by a group of players together ever what was that like being part of the even though you were kind of a later addition being part of the bullpen hogs sure well okay the honestly the guy who kind of brought that, I mean, there's a couple people. It's It was a combination of dynamic and stuff, but Jake Haber, is, <laughs> he's, he's kind of a guy who really brings out energy, and he was there in Modesto, too. So it was kind of, honestly, it was a little smooth transition because it was wherever Jake is, there's going to be extreme energy anywhere you go <laughs> <laughs> so i mean if the entire year even in modesto too i mean we were we were having fun it was a good time modesto had like the junkyard dog sort of i mean we talked a little bit to some of the other relievers about this um you know i think you were the highest round pick in that bullpen in the eighth round uh but you know haber obviously was a Indie ball guy, right? Yep. Uh, and then, you know, we've 
some 23rd round picks, some 30th round picks, some undrafted free agents. It didn't seem like that because everyone in that bullpen threw 95 with a really good slider. I I remember just being there and like, we have the best bullpen in the Cal League by far. Absolutely. Maybe not as many strikeouts, but you guys had the best strikeout walk ratio in the Cal League. Sure, Rancho was pretty good too, but yeah, we were. It was especially at the very beginning when you had. I can't remember what it was, but we, like, the very beginning, the first series when we were at Lancaster, I thought there was no way we're going to lose any games this year, because <laughs> our our staff was so good there, and that was supposedly a hitter. I mean, it is a hitter's park too. Oh, yeah. So I, I was like, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be unbeatable this year. Uh, you worked with Rob Marcello down in Modesto. Um, yep, he seems to be just kind of a wizard. What did you What did you get out of working with Rob? You know, um, everybody's got different things they have to work on. So Rob's really what makes Rob you know special is that he he's kind of like a Swiss Army knife. He can work with anybody with whatever they need to work on and get them better. So you know, for me. My biggest thing was my biggest thing was uh, where I needed to locate my fastball. That was what I really wanted to work on in Modesto. Um, specifically, it changed a little bit in Arkansas what I was trying to do. But he, for me, it was it was re- honestly pretty simple. It was I need to throw my fastball, you know, in a better location. And from where I was, I was kind of my first year in pro ball. I got away with it because in college too, I got away with it just because. You know, my stuff was pretty good relative to the competition, but I basically just threw all my fastballs right down the middle. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it like kind of like middle low, I was throwing most of my fastballs, which if you know anything about like, baseball, it's not very smart, you know, <laughs> if you're well, going to move also, up. It's also a testament to you have a pretty funky delivery I've heard you described as one of the most, if not the most, uncomfortable at bat in the organization. So, like that, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, see, I know it's it's funny to everyone, but to me, it feels natural. So, I mean, it, it works. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's so. I mean, when I was working with Rob, it was it was that was the main focus for me was working on that. There are a couple other things, you know throughout the year like that I had to work on and make adjustments at times but that was that was the biggest thing for me then Rob Rob did a really good job I thought with um just honestly just dealing he made everybody better that's the that's what makes him special he just no matter who you're around he will find a way to make you better as a pitching coach and honestly Woody's kind of the same way too Woody goes about it very differently from Rob but I mean the general you know honestly the ability to relate to players and help them get better. I mean, they're both excellent with that. Um, you, you mentioned the, I, I, I liked hearing you say that about how your delivery feels natural to you, because I mean, like we've watched you pitch, we've read scouting reports on it and, and the word funky is in just about every one of them. Um, but I, I was curious whether that was like, has that been, essentially something you've developed along the way was there or was there like a point in time where you were sort of coached on like hey like 
you know, this will get you a little bit of extra deception? Or, or was that really just like, this is how it feels most comfortable for me to throw. I'm going to keep doing this. No, honestly, what happened was, um, so I, I made it to college and I found out very quickly I needed to throw harder. Mm-hmm. And because in high school, I basically threw all fastballs. Mm-hmm. I threw, I had a curveball that was inconsistently okay. Um, mm-hmm. Which you'll find no, I were still, there's some uh, recruiting videos of me in high school. Um, I did not have a very good curveball in any of those, so <laughs> not not in any of those. But it, you know, I had days where it was all right. But um, I found out very quickly, like I need to throw harder than about eighty-seven. You know, mm-hmm. so what happened was, and I had a, I've I've been blessed with really good pitching coaches throughout my career. So Drew Dickinson, who was the pitching coach at Illinois at the time, he he did he was great for me because he. He didn't do anything with this is how you're supposed to throw. He taught you more about how you should actually pitch, like reading hitters and stuff. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just was doing anything I could to throw harder, and that's just kind of what happened. Like my body just kind of organized itself in that way, and that's what I found helped me throw harder. Interesting. Were you recruited a lot out of – because? Uh... I feel like it's shifting now, but there still is a a little bit of a stigma with cold weather guys. Like it's harder to get looks. It's harder to get seen. Uh, I tend to think the middle of the country is pretty under scouted still. Um, you know, yeah, well, I didn't really get looks. No. Um, but I also did a bad job with the, like, I didn't understand the recruiting process at all (laughs) in high school. Like I, I didn't, you know, most guys, they're committing their sophomore year or maybe early into their junior year. I didn't go to a showcase until after my junior year. Oh, wow. Uh, so, because I didn't know what I was doing. Am I to assume you do not come from a baseball, a big baseball playing lineage then? You do not have oh, forebears for... <laughs> I mean, my, my family loves baseball, but no, they don't have... Their experience, their athletic experience is hiking. So... Oh. <laughs> You know, I mean, my my parents are like they're very active people, but they weren't like involved in like no. I've got no professional baseball. You weren't running around on the showcase circuit at age no, ten. No, no, I was playing Legion baseball. You know, <laughs> which Absolutely. I mean, that's what everybody does in Minnesota. Everybody plays that, and it's only like there's a handful of guys who get the whole. You have to play for these travel ball teams, or you just have to be. I don't know those are also the guys who are just the best anyway so like right they, they understand what they're doing but like we had no idea i was just trying to get good grades and go to a good school <laughs> and thought baseball could maybe be a convenient way to uh help you get along there well no i just i wanted to play baseball in college but i didn't know what i was doing so i mean it was, it was like a backseat it was like hopefully this works out maybe i can get lucky at this random showcase that says the university of minnesota is going to be there even though they're there to see one guy they've already scouted for you know <laughs> from the past three showcases this guy's been at so wow it's <laughs> i i got very lucky actually that i ended up at illinois was there a um like a particular scout i know for for many guys there's like oh this is the like discovered you know the scout that discovered you was there like a particular sort of person in the mariners organization who was like hey like we are looking at taking you like before your draft and you know you don't have to go yeah and attendant to that did you expect to get drafted on draft day 
Oh, um, well, yeah, well, so Ben Coleman was the area scout for the Mariners. I know we had a really good conversation in the fall. I remember, I still remember it. It was like, you know, you have time slots where there's probably eight guys on our team who, you know, have meetings with area scouts. So, like, the Mariners area scout comes in. He wants to talk to eight guys on our team. Hmm. And I, you get, like, a half-hour time slot. And I still remember my time. I went – maybe it was – I can't remember if it was a half-hour, 40 minutes, something like that. But our our conversation took – well over an hour, so I remember I had oh, a good sign. I, I, I there's the immediate like connection there. I, I remember that, um, and I liked, you know, the direction the Mariners were going in because I was, I was, I'm not very traditionally minded with mechanics. You know, these kind of things like you, you know, you just uh-huh. you want to be as athletic as possible when you're throwing, and you know, I use weighted balls and stuff. Like Illinois is very much, we were almost too aggressive sometimes i thought with weighted balls but you know those kind of things but the mariners were one of the teams that was i i liked where their head was at for that and analytics and all this stuff um so i know we had a good conversation there um yeah i forgot about the weighted ball wars like it's so standard now but right but even just two three years ago it was kind of a kind of a big deal yeah, like it some was. Orgs, and I, I think some orgs forbade it, actually. Right. No, I still remember that. And I used, I still, to this day, like, I use weighted balls. And if I don't use weighted balls, my arm's not going to feel the same. Mm. So I didn't want to go to a team where, okay, well, I'm not able to do whatever's going to make me successful. So now my career's basically over. Mm. So that was, well, that was initial, that was the initial introduction of the Mariners. So that was... I know. I th- I think he liked me. I don't know. We got draft. You guys drafted me, so <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm now. You did okay. So it, it worked out for the best for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I did expect to get drafted on draft day. Um, I didn't know what it was gonna be like going into my junior year, but once once we played, we played. Uh, we had a weekend series where we were at UCLA, or we were. We were in Minnesota, actually, at U.S. Bank Stadium, but we played UCLA, Arizona, and Washington. And I remember I did really well against UCLA and Arizona. And after that happened, I kind of, I kind of knew, okay, I was going to get drafted this year. Mm. So I did expect to get drafted. I don't want to get into the whole draft process. That's a really no. long story. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be a Mariner. It, it worked out really well. It's a good org. So now that you're here and you're at summer camp and you're like getting this introduction to big league life, I'm curious what kind of things you're like focusing on or working on in the camp. Like, did you show up here with like certain goals written down or like a mindset of what you wanted to get out of camp? Or are you kind of just, you know, I don't want to say along for the ride, but are you just like taking what they tell you and sort of absorbing that? Like, what is your approach to this whole summer camp situation? Well, okay, my, the first thing I'm trying to do is I'm, I need to get ready to, you know, face hitters again. I haven't faced yet. The other day was the first day I faced live hitting. And, uh, you know, since we were playing the Brewers, I think that was the last time I faced live hitting, you know, cause oh I've been, gosh. you know, in Minnesota. So it's, it's going to take, if I remember how win in Arizona, I'm expecting, I'm expecting it to be on the same timeline. I faced hitters, you know, maybe three-ish, three, four times before I really felt comfortable um, in terms of, like, okay, I'm going to dominate right here. Like, that's that's kind of how I felt in spring training. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm expecting to be on a similar timeline, and it's like I just couldn't control. Like, okay, can't face hitters because I'm nobody plays baseball in Minnesota. So, <laughs> you know, every, everybody who I could face has either moved south to practice for baseball, or they're you know they have normal jobs or they're a high school kid. So <laughs> it's it's pretty meaningless, and I'd really you know most of my friends are no longer in Minnesota and stuff. So it's it's tough for me to work on you know facing hitters so i'm just i'm really excited to just face hitters and just get back into it um so yeah that's the biggest thing i'm working on is facing live hitting just i'm really excited and then once once i do that a couple times i'll be full go like ready to go and honestly like where i am right now is very similar to where i was my first live bp in the spring training which i mean my velo's not quite where it needs to be but it's going to be there um i'm a little rusty but it's to be expected you know it, it really is it's where i'm at right now and i'll be ready to go in about a week <laughs> <laughs> yeah what is the so like yesterday looked very good struck out well struck out some guys uh you know got some some Trav on Trav violence against Donnie Walton there, but then Austin Nola also like just hit a shot. So how do you like tell yourself, okay, like I, I'm just gonna wipe that away? Like, what is your mental process for like? Uh, you know, the Nola's a good hitter. Um, but the thing, the thing with that was there's, there's a couple pitches just. I look at my fastball. I, I went back and watched the YouTube thing on my fast, or just my pitching outing, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. Lo- I just wasn't locating my fastball very well in general. Um, honestly, that wasn't a bad pitch that he hit out. It was just mm-hmm. I hadn't. He was he was sitting fastball. I should have seen that from the very first pitch he hit. He yanked it foul. Um, so <laughs> and you know he's just waiting for it. He looked uncomfortable with my slider. And, you know, it's part of the game, I guess. But I basically, my biggest takeaway was I need to get my fastball location honed in, which, you know, is going to come. It's just, it was my first time facing hitters. So how much, um, how much opportunity do you guys have for like inner squad, like live BP like this? Because I'm sure obviously it just happens and it's just, the public happens now to be getting to watch it but like is there you know is there a bit of like you know playful isn't the right word but like you know the sort of fun competitiveness going of like oh like sweet i get a chance to face you know kyle lewis again or like oh you know like like oh sure yeah well uh i mean for everybody's different so for me i i just really look forward to like a real game setting so like when when air squats come up i'm super excited for that and live bp i mean this i guess everybody's different but for me it's it's a little harder to get into live bp because it's even though you're facing hitters it doesn't feel like a game sure yeah it's still artificial it's yeah it's like i mean it's close i liked how i mean we didn't have like a batting cage around which sometimes happens when you have live bp Mm -hmm. uh so that was that made it better, and you're in T-Mobile, so that's I mean you got right. <laughs> you you got some things going for it there, but um, it's yeah I mean it's still comp- it's always competitive no matter what you're doing you're 
trying to get the other guy out. I mean, it's that's baseball. What did that feel like to get, because it's such a unique, I mean, the first time we saw Isaiah Campbell uh, ever as a Mariner, he's in full uniform and standing on the mound at T-Mobile. Like, what was that like when you stepped up to throw off that mound for the first time? Sure. Um, honestly, you know, if I'm going to be real with you, it <laughs> really just felt like normal. It was like, okay, I was on the mound. I'm you know, you kind of, when you're on the mound, at least this is how I am. I, everything around you is kind of blocked out except mm. the catcher hitter area. So it seemed kind of j- just like a normal thing, except for, you know, there's no fielders around you or anything and there's no real game situation. It's kind of made up. So it, and that's the only respect it was like, okay, it's a little different, but I'm, when I'm on the mound, I was fully locked into what I'm doing. So I, it's it's one of those things. I take it in more when I'm not doing anything, when I'm just like walking into the field mm-hmm. or just standing around or stretching or something. I, that's when I kind of like, wow, I'm at T-Mobile. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I'm when I'm on the mound, it's it's really just go time. Well, that seems like a good way to go about it. I didn't. I'm thinking a lot about all the guys who are like, you know, you wait so long and you work so long grinding your way up through the minor leagues with this, you know, carrot chasing the carrot of getting to be in T-Mobile. And now so many guys are getting exposed to that right off the bat. And uh, I honestly think it's good, like, because you can kind of marvel at and appreciate the ballpark from the outside. But also, I mean, I love that. I, it's a mound. It's just a mound. Like, I feel like that's going to help when it is time for you to make that big league debut. Sure. I mean, I guess for me, it's just, you know, if, if you're focused on what you need to execute, you're not going to be worried about outside distractions when you're pitching. I mean, that's just, that's how it is. And honestly, I'm not there yet. I'm, I haven't been put on the 25 man or the 40 man or so. I've, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I have a very long way to go. So, hmm. but I'm, yeah, I'm happy to be here. You know, I'm, I'm here. That's all I can ask for. And you're going to have a cool story out of it. I mean, maybe cool is not the right word, but, you know, (laughs) having the summer camp experience and starting your your Mariner journey during this weird coronavirus season. Sure, yeah. No, it's... The harder we remove ourselves, it's going to be even stranger. I was having that conversation with a friend, like, five years from now, we're going to look back and be like, man, 2020 was weird. But then, like, 30 years from now, we're going to be like, what the hell was happening? You know, it's going to become more and more absurd with each passing day. Yeah, no, it really is, isn't it? So we talked a little bit about growing up in Minnesota. You're from Maple Grove, Minnesota, right? Yep. Uh, you know, the Maple Grove was the big James Paxton cheering section uh, that he had at T-Mobile for a long time. We still have a ton of leftover Maple Grove stuff. Is there a way, do you think the citizens of Maple Grove would be interested in our big banner that says the Maple Grove? We have a, we have a tree, a fake tree. Um, or would you like us to repurpose that as a Joey Gerber cheering section? Hey, you know, uh, yeah, repurpose that. Repurpose that for me. If I could be half as good as James Paxton, I've had a pretty good career. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how many people in Maple Grove know who I am. Or so. What? But How big of a town are we talking about for Maple Grove? It's probably 70,000 maybe. Oh, that's, oh, that's it's it's your standard suburb. Uh, suburb of Minneapolis. Oh, okay. Um, what is one thing? So, if you could take anything from Seattle and move it to Maple Grove, what would you pick? 
And if you could bring anything from Maple Grove, Minnesota to Seattle to make your life here a little easier or better, what would you pick? Uh, well, yeah, I'm taking back the weather. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a no-brainer. Minnesota has sure. some of the worst weather in America. So wow, <laughs> that's a, that's an absolute no-brainer there. Um, what am I bringing from Maple Grove to Seattle? Um, gosh, probably... Hmm. I suppose, you know, technically I could bring this, but probably my truck. Uh, <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> you can go places. I feel like that's within the realm of possibilities. Yeah, I could. It's something I actually Great could news do if for I you, wanted to. <laughs> Great news for you about how cars work, Joey. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, maybe if I, if I make it to the show and, you know... Maybe that's the way I treat myself as I ship out my car. Oh, man. I thought you were going to say something like, you know, this favorite hole-in-the-wall restaurant or, like, some of your mom's cooking or, you know, some treasured place. No, there's nothing. (laughs) I don't don't know. It's it's a, you know, it's the, the whole western metro area of Minneapolis. It's all the same. It's just, it's just you know, Heartland America suburbs. I don't I don't know how to explain. There's it's not like uh you know, there's real you know it's just generic. I don't know Man, how to I'm getting really strong Joey Gerber future Seattle resident vibes from this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I love hey, it. I don't wanna hate on Minnesota there's a lot of really good things about Minnesota. I don't wanna, you know, bring it down. There's it's the way I describe it to people is it's a really great place to live if you don't care about the weather. <laughs> um, but if you care about the weather and you know stuff, it's it's tough. Um, yeah, well, I wouldn't yeah. mind living out here. It's I'm I'm see I'm a big weather I'm a big outdoors guy. And if you're not a big outdoors guy, um, Minnesota's fine. If you are an outdoors person and you like doing stuff in the cold it also works really well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but you know in terms of being outside and not being cold or doing baseball <laughs> things it's tough it's tough to be are you not a big not a big hunter no slash ice fisher person no i was one of the few people who did not play hockey growing up mm-hmm. so you know everyone else is out there skating doing things and i you know i i didn't do that i played basketball not many people played basketball so well, to be fair, there is a lot of you, and I don't know if you'd want to, like, add another couple inches being up on skates. That would make you, like, seven feet tall, right? <laughs> no, that sounds dangerous. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. I've just, it hasn't been, I'm just not interested in being cold. I'm not interested <laughs> in being overly hot either. That's why Seattle's nice. You've got this nice temperate climate. It's like if I can spend my summers in Seattle where it's 75 and, you know, partly sunny, mm-hmm. and I can spend my winters in Arizona where it's 75 yep. and mostly sunny, I have done a really good job <laughs> finessing the whole weather system. I love it. You're playing baseball just for, like, the living part. (laughs) You figured out how to game the system just to get good weather all year round. I also feel like this conversation is really good for giving you a future foundation for a friendship with Mike Trout, who's also a big weather person. How can you not be? I mean, you play baseball, you're outside all the time. Sure. I mean, more baseball players should honestly be into weather. Yeah, I agree. 100%. It's hilarious. 
I was going to ask something about like if there's a player at camp that you've like had a funny interaction with. I don't know if you have any stories you're willing to share. Like totally get if not. But I was wondering like if there's a player on the Mariners who like hadn't really seen you yet and you're like confusing the hell out of them with your wind up <laughs> or anything like that. And like if anyone came up and talked to you and they're like. I, I think I confuse people in general with myself, <laughs> you know, uh, personality. I definitely have a unique uh, yes. personality among people in general, let alone baseball people who mm-hmm. tend to be, I mean, baseball people tend to be the opposite of what I am, just personality-wise. They're, mm-hmm. you know, I'm generally, I mean, I guess maybe you can't tell from this podcast, but I'm generally pretty... <laughs> you know, reserved and... Well, we did twist your arm pretty hard to <laughs> get, you, get you on here, to be fair. Sure, but I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm pretty reserved. I'm not very... I guess I... I mean, every, everybody's a unique individual. I think your Twitter presence really speaks... I mean, you're out there doing observational comedy, which is not something you see from a lot of baseball <laughs> players. <laughs> That's that's me versus baseball people, you know. It's like, oh, I'm excited to play baseball. And it's like, yes, I'm excited to play baseball too, but I'm not going to tweet about that. <laughs> but right. but yeah, yeah, no. Um, there's we everybody gets along. I mean, people, I I get along with everybody. Everyone gets along with me. It's it's a good time. I I'm really happy that I'm a mariner, and we've got a good. We've got a, there's a lot of really really good people in the org. So just not just front office that I've interacted with her, unless that's all a facade, but I'm hoping it's real because every, everybody's really, everyone's a genuine person, you know, not just front office, but players too. Everyone who's a player is, you know, real, a really solid individual. Who so are you especially close with on the, uh, on the team? Who's your good buddy? Logan Gilbert and Cal Raleigh are probably people I've spent the most time with. I would say we're, we're all good friends. we live together in Arizona so when oh. the Mariners send us out so it's no. I'd say I'd I knew say Logan and Cal were pretty close I did not realize you were part of that trifecta yeah I, you know sneak in there I'm <laughs> under the radar here you know not uh, not does, the huge prospect but does Logan have his ukulele with him is he regaling you with oh, ukulele tunes no don't don't bring that up uh, <laughs> but no he, he did not bring that hopefully he doesn't listen to this and, <laughs> and remember to get, get some it ideas, but he uh no he, he didn't bring that what if the way to get your car out here was it would also be carrying Logan Gilbert's ukulele was that a fair trade-off? Yeah, that's fair. I'll keep it hidden in my car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Oh man, yeah, it's no, it's it's a good time. We there's some pretty entertaining stuff that happens. Every, see, the, the thing I love about those guys—they have a great sense of humor. So it's we can we can have some funny conversations. Which is not always something you see from, I'm not going to say starting pitchers are divas, but a lot of times starting pitchers are divas, <laughs> but is that, is, am I not correct, John? Am I not correct? Uh, that is, it, on occasion, on occasion. Yeah. There's there's yeah. a sense of importance. <laughs> but it's nice to see that Logan is, uh, seems to be breaking that mold somewhat. Yeah, well, I mean, Logan, you know, he's got his routine at the field, but he's, he's, uh, he he won't give you this impression because he's pretty he's to himself unless you get him in the right environment but he's he's a character he's a good he's he's funny 
great guy. He's he's a great guy. He's a, he's a good friend. <laughs> it's nice to hear that uh, you've got some buddies on the team have so far been enjoying your experience of being a Mariner. Because we hear these things, it's difficult to know. Um, you know, the front office seems to really care about people as people and then as players. So it's nice to hear that. Sure. Well, course. I mean, that's that's my impression that they do. Who Honestly, do I know? I don't know anything. Nobody really knows how they make their decisions or whatever, but it's they, they do, I mean, person-to-person interaction and just how it seems like they go about things, especially... Um, I suppose it's it's harder for you guys because you guys aren't like actually in the game, but at least mm-hmm. how it seems like compared to you know what you hear about from other teams and you you know when you face other teams how those orgs go about their business. Like the Mariner, the Mariners do a really good job. It's pretty exciting too, as of now, like to see all these new young prospects coming up and you know kind of this next wave that's going to crest. Is there anybody who's really kind of you're like oh wow who you hadn't seen before, who's kind of stood out to you among the young guys? Um, well, there's a lot of people I could say, because there's a lot of really good people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could I could say, you know, your basic things, like Kellenic is really good, Cal has a lot of power and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Breaking <laughs> news. <laughs> you know? But uh, I guess, you know, Marte, I, I hadn't seen him ever, you know, because... There's he no reason why him. I would have seen him, but he yeah. he looks legit, like for yeah, being huge. 18 years old. Um, I, I saw him play shortstop the other day, and he's I mean he's got a good arm. He looks smooth fielding, so he looks he looks legit. Um, I I can't really. It's hard to say. I've, I mean, most people I've you know seen before, so I'm not going to be yeah. saying anything. I think Marte is definitely who I would say as somebody who like has definitely stood out to me, but is also you know, he gets in that box and he makes some loud noises during BP. I haven't seen him hit, so I don't I can't comment on that, but he's he's looked he looks athletic. I mean for being 18, you know, right. he I think about myself when I was 18 and it's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, so very much the same well do yourself a favor and uh sometime when he's taking bp watch him and you know be glad he's on your side (laughs) you don't have to pitch to him there's a lot of people you can feel like that you know yeah absolutely man that's great i think that's exactly what mariners fans wanted to hear too like we're all watching it and building our own opinions but then to hear it like i think we've all done the thing where like every Mariner fan who's been watching these streams is like, holy shit, Noel V. Marte is huge. <laughs> but to actually hear it from a player who's watching him like really just validates our own Absolutely. Uh, biases, which is great. So thank <laughs> you for that, Joey. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, I, I don't know the guy either, so it's like, it just kind of stood out. I was like, okay, if this guy's 18 years old, like, dang. Yeah, yeah. he's a monster. Well, Kate mentioned this earlier, but we should also direct people to Joey's Twitter Ugh. at Gerb underscore nation for all of your uh, wonderful musings on the weather of Seattle and just other observations. It's a uh, it's a lot of fun. So Mariner fans who want to know more about Joey can follow him there. And also, you know, obviously keep tabs on summer camp where you will be. Um, anything else you want to say, Joey, before we let you go? Uh, no, I got nothing. Thanks for having me. Oh, no. Sweet. Thank you yeah. for... <laughs> Thank you for talking with us for so long. You wanted to do 15 minutes and we just dragged and 
tricked you. I mean, you guys had a lot more. It was. I thought it was going to be a lot more. What are you guys doing here in summer camp? And it's like, I mean, I don't know. We're playing baseball. (laughs) We're respected journalists. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're respected journalists who uh, want to ask you about your opinions on fast food. (laughs) This is. This the is why I questions. do not have your job. Yeah, it's, it's the hard-hitting question. We barely have our job, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Cool. Well, take care, man. It was a lot of fun, and uh, we hope to see you continue to do your thing on mounds across America, even if that means going to Minnesota again. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we wanted to end with a couple listener questions because the fact that real baseball is somewhat back in our life meant that people had thoughts and questions. We want to get to that. Um, Although Joey was a great interview, obviously we didn't want to keep him around to answer (laughs) your questions. This feels specifically targeted for us and the listeners definitely know that. So we got some questions. Thanks as always to the people who submitted them. Uh, I want to start with ZipKidCW on Twitter, also known as ChrisW. This is a pretty extensive question. Chris wrote, who of Dunn, Sheffield, White, Long, Crawford, Lewis, and Cal Rowley has the biggest impact on the rebuild if they are successful or a bench player slash reliever. So rank them in order of who Mariner fans should attach our strongest feelings to, is what Chris said. I think it's basically like if they all reach – another way to read this, I guess, is if they all reach their highest potential, who has the biggest impact on the team. So I'm curious. I mean, I didn't prepare anything. I'm just going to kind of go off the dome. But I feel like – just the way that baseball works, like the position players would have right. a bigger impact if they were able to truly pop. Like if J.P. Crawford is a five-win shortstop, like that would be massive, you know? So that one feels like that has to be number one maybe just because of the position he plays. And he'd probably be like a top-of-the-order kind of guy if everything goes right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, from there it's kind of can go any – from there it's kind of like based on your opinion on prospects, which, you know, you guys are farther ahead of me then. <laughs> I mean, if we're assuming everyone in this group hits their ceilings, which obviously it's not going to happen, I think following your logic, you have to go with Crawford and Raleigh, who play the two like most defensively demanding positions, and we're assuming that they're going to be solid defensively as well as offensively. Um, I think for Crawford, we probably currently feel better about his defense than his offense, uh, because the bat was pretty up and down last year. But defensively, I mean, he's made huge strides. Raleigh, I think, is the opposite concern where yeah. their bat is pretty promising, but a lot of questions have been raised about his 
like receiving and his ability to stick behind the dish, which I think are um, faulty. I don't think there's any issues with Raleigh staying behind the dish. Um, I'm a little worried because he did kind of the last taste Cal Raleigh had of baseball, like organized competitive baseball at the professional level was running into that buzzsaw at double uh, a Arkansas last year. So I'd really like to see him a little more. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I agree that I think it's gotta be the, the position players who would have the most impact of who I think will be successful out of that group. I don't know. I mean, obviously I want all of them to be, but I would say don't sleep on Evan White, who I think might not have, like, if everybody hits their ceilings, might not have as high a ceiling as everybody else, but I feel yeah. like has the possibility of hitting that ceiling, like a, a high floor, I guess you could say. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Evan White profiles like there's a great chance to me at least that he turns into like that nine-year veteran who's just solid every year you know like very steady production like kind of like an older rude vibe just to give a mariner comparison yeah like someone who's not gonna all-star yeah exactly maybe not perennial but occasional all-star um yeah i mean even if even if white is just like an an average player i think i think that there's there's the best chance maybe of any of them that evan white is an average player which is which is uh, uh kind of slicing it differently i agree with you guys on crawford and raleigh uh rally god just never never gonna get it right the first i time. don't know what the correct way is too i've been saying both for sure um yeah uh rally rally okay cal raleigh raleigh that's it. You just said it two different ways. You did just I say did. it two different ways. Raleigh. Cal Raleigh. It's Raleigh. Okay. okay. Um, it's not I think Cal. I think Cal, Cal Raleigh fingers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there. That's Let's how you remember show it. Show this to someone learning English. Say, these are pronounced the same. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Good um, luck. God. All right. So, yeah, I agree on Crawford and, and Cal. Uh, I think that... Um, Quite honestly, just Crawford and Shed Long um, can almost be viewed sort of as a pair. Crawford a little bit higher because he is obviously the defensive uh, stalwart among them. But either of them sticking in the middle of the infield takes a huge load of pressure off of uh, off of the club uh, in terms of needing to find things via trades or via free agency or waiting longer until other prospects appear or whatnot. Um, it is, I think, generally more easy to find decent, like, you can find decent first baseman. You know, you, Mike Moustakis is going to be there every year until the end. Of, well, not now, I guess, but <laughs> someone like Mike Moustakis is going to be there every year in you know for time immemorial. Uh, if you need a f- reasonable first baseman, and yes, the Mariners have been doing like the stopgap first baseman thing, but it doesn't make it a terrible strategy just because it hasn't worked the last few times here. Like Matt Adams or something like that is fine. That's easier to fill in, I think, than finding like a quality shortstop which which is much trickier there um totally and Dunn and Sheffield while I think obviously make a huge difference they are a little bit lower only because I think they have actually a high floor just because both both of them are guys who have like 
clear above average stuff and you know components of their game that would work at a minimum as good relievers so even if they don't necessarily stick in the rotation which has been a concern for some of them um seattle has so many pitchers that it's it's now lower on my priorities than it was you know a year ago or even if they'd prioritized you know, yeah the last positional depth is definitely something to think about here which yeah. again moves yeah. rally and Crawford up the and Um, even long to some extent up and and that that kind of affects Kyle Lewis again who is like if he is if he is his potential holy smokes okay that changes the whole thing but yeah well we got a question about that actually yeah I can just kind of shoehorn in here Uh, (laughs) DW Paul on Twitter at Johnny Thackle I don't know (laughs) There's a zero in there. I, don't know how, I never know how to pronounce numbers as letters. Anyway, uh, they said on previous podcasts you have been critical of the M's not having a superstar type prospect near the majors like a Joe Adele. Uh, why doesn't Kyle Lewis fit this description for you? 11th pick in the draft, super athletic, has shown MLB success in a limited dose. So I think we all know that Kyle Lewis can be good. Like We're all hoping that he can be that. But for me, I think the reason why... Uh, he doesn't get the superstar type comparison and why even Mariner fans don't think that is just because of the injury. Like we haven't seen the full potential yet maybe. And that's also might just be me reading into the injury a little too much, but like that slowed him down for a year. And then I feel like the first year after injury is always like a recovery year. And then the glimpse of him in the major leagues was obviously very exciting, but it's hard to, you know, put that much thought into 20 games. Right. So I think, the reason why he's not getting the Joe Adele comps nearly as much is just because of circumstances, right? Like, he could definitely be a Joe Adele, but Joe Adele also never tore his ACL, as far as I right. know. Does that make sense? It's a huge part of it. I think, too, though, the thing about taking Joe Adele is he was, yes, drafted around the same time, but Adele is significantly younger than Lewis because he didn't go to college. So you're getting more years of Joe Adele then you that's are a good Kyle point. Lewis, yeah. Yeah, which Kyle is Lewis, the risky. Yeah. That's the risky part of drafting someone like that, and that's why we say like these are the risks the Mariners have been adverse to take. Kyle Lewis was still a pretty well-known quantity coming out of college, and you know just because he fell in the draft, that's. Um, I mean, he still has tremendous upside, but also he fell in the draft for you know. I think maybe people becoming concerned about the strikeout numbers or something like that. So they're not really the same class of player as far as that goes. I, I will I, I will push back a little bit on that. I think I fully agree with the point on the age uh, sort of thing. Kyle Lewis turns 25 next week, and Joe Adele turned 21 in April. Like, that is a really, you know, significant gap there. Um, but... Lewis, you know, the the general archetype of very, like, extremely good power, um, you know, strong arm, has the range to play and stick in the outfield, you know, the athleticism to stick in the outfield um, and generally be, like, a four to six win player if their power is delivering in the games. That is, you know, and, like, incredibly good exit velocity, hitting the ball in the air, you know, yada, yada, yada. Lewis absolutely is that kind of guy. And 
as Matthew said, you know, he is hard to really gauge on that because of the injuries. The trouble with Lewis has been there isn't like it, it this is almost he almost has you wouldn't call it Austin Nola syndrome exactly, but like the best he's ever been as a player is in the major leagues and you know, last year, like the and you don't typically there's not necessarily a lot in his entire profile that would suggest yes he's going to be able to tighten that up and cut down the bad stuff keep all the good stuff um if he does that absolutely like that is that guy that is that impact player suddenly you're looking at like oh my goodness this outfield's has a crazy amount of potential but but there's just there's so uh there's so much to be there's not somewhere else you can point until you look back at college when he was coming out of mercer uh you know not like an sec school um where it's like oh he dominated against the top competition you know i mean it's d1 college but like it is a different sort of thing, and and so I, I think that that is yeah. It's that not is, a power conference. It's not a power southeaster or whatever. Um, yeah. So so I do think Lewis generally fits that archetype. I'll 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 go along with that. I think that's fair. But the challenge is we haven't really seen the actual glimpses outside of uh, last year. <laughs> you know, outside of the the very exciting fairly surprising stretch last year yeah. and and that would be where someone like that would would come from and and the fact has been they haven't gone for guys su- subsequently which has been honestly frustrating because if it was like okay they got they took Kyle Lewis and then he got hurt like it it has almost felt though I don't think this is the case like oh they got skittish about it because Kyle Lewis was was not necessarily working out so that would be that would be a huge boon. Well, I wonder if you could, uh, if any of you will be brave enough to pick Kyle Lewis in this next category. Uh, this is a question from Colton Swanson. Very straightforward. If you had to pick the Mariners MVP, Cy Young, and Rookie of the Year for the upcoming season, who would you lean towards? So again, I did not prepare anything for this, but what I'll say for Cy Young is like it's almost definitely going to be Marco, but I would be thrilled if it wasn't, you know, it would be great if someone outpitched Marco. Cause that would be like a huge step forward mm-hmm. for the team. Yeah. If like Justin Dunn or Sheffield or even Kikuchi, who we forget about on every episode. If you yeah. like, <laughs> if, if any of them could like put together a real good season and like, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm not talking like actually in the Cy Young race, but like if they could post like a, I don't know, like a three, seven, five ERA, that would be just absolutely wonderful for everyone involved. Yeah, um, who has a... the best chance of snatching Marco's like uh, teen specific Cy Young? It's got to be Kikuchi. Kendall Graveman. Could well, also snatch yeah, it. Taiwan Walker. I mean, I know he had a weird year last year, but like I'm thinking of guys who have at least pitched in the majors. Like it's it'd be a huge ask for Dunn or Sheffield or yeah. one of them to take this. So I'll go out on the limb. I'll I'll say Taiwan Walker. I think a, a bounce back. I think him being back in Seattle will help a lot. Um, I just feel like comfort and familiarity especially during this weird ass season is right. going to be huge so yeah I'll, I'll give it to, to Taiwan if I had to put like real money on it it's Marco but for the sake of this argument I'll throw my hat in the Taiwan Walker ring I agree yeah I, I will go 
Kikuchi as as the sort of most plausible uh, t- uh, sort of assailant to the throne there, um, just because he, if he is smoothed up, I mean he he was a dominant pitcher. He was a very good pitcher in the NPB. And there's no reason that that shouldn't translate for him, especially if he's got something, you know, sort of smoothed up and he's already got his velocity looking solid. He was at, you know, hitting 95. Um, so I would like to see, I would like to see Kikuchi sort of wrestle that away with some hot, more high strikeout stuff. Okay, what about MVP? Ooh, I boy. think, again, like Mitch Haniger would be the obvious choice, but he's who knows how much he's going to play. Mm-hmm. So then you look at the rest of the position players, and like Kate said, it's kind of a who boy situation. <laughs> who boy. Like, who... I mean, this could just come down to, like, who is going to hit the most. Because, I mean, it's very possible yeah. that, like, Kyle Lewis just goes nuts and, you know, absolutely hits his best-case scenario with a big strikeout rate but like hits a bunch of home runs and that all evens out for me the mvp should be somebody who consistently hits though and i mean i'm like looking at this and uh yeah. who i think just getting playing Jordan. time too like shed yeah. long i was could, gonna say could, like yeah he could feasibly like hit lead off every day and then also like oh we need to take a break from second base like D's starting at second today. Shed, you go play left field. Like, there will be ways to get him into the lineup. I bet we'll see him DH a handful of times. Yeah. So I think that will help, too. Because, like, J.P. Crawford, if he's not playing short, he's not going to play anywhere else. You know, I guess they could also DH him. But Shed's ability to play left field in a pinch or, I guess, third base in an absolute emergency, just keeping him in the lineup, I think, is going to be helpful because he's going to get a lot of plate appearances. And I think he's a decent enough hitter to do well with that. So... I mean, again, this is the Mariners, so like you don't have to set the world on fire, but no. I'll, I'll go shed long, Mariners MVP. I yeah. think the safest answer here is Seager, um, who I think will, you know, maybe not be his normal seager self as he's you know, hitting the back end of that aging curve, but uh, can he out-hit? I mean, basically, this is just me looking at this list of names and wondering if the guy I'm looking at can out-hit everyone else on the roster, and... So far, the only ones that I feel confident about saying yes are Kyle Seeger. Um, I think it's a big ask for Evan White in his first year to be the MVP. But I think that after like kind of an initial adjustment period, I think we're going to see him settle into a pretty, like pretty consistently putting up a good at bat. Um, I'm wondering if like either Tom Murphy or Austin Nola sneak in there. Nola's interesting for sure because we always forget how good he was. John had mentioned this earlier that like he did have his best year ever in the major leagues. Like that really came out of nowhere. No, nothing he did in the minors mm-hmm. suggested that kind of season. But who knows? I mean, if he can just do that again, like he could just have the exact same season, and that would probably be Mariners MVP worthy. Because I really don't know if Tom. I would love him to, but I don't know if Tom Murphy can duplicate last season because he's also going to be playing every day. Last year yeah. he had the a little bit of the luxury of not having to catch every day, which I'm sure is yeah. a big mental break. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. I think Murphy will be fine, but point. I wouldn't expect him to be, like, the best hitting catcher in the American League again. Although, I would also say, like, watch Tim Lopes, like, fuck around and be leading the team. And For him, I think it's a question of playing time, but he seems really determined that he is going to get himself on that field every day in some way or another. Yeah. Tim Lopes has the, you know, any baseball coach from – 
the olden days will just tell you Tim Lopes is a ball player. Like that's his whole thing. (laughs) Shows up every day, does his job sort of thing. Like that's the, that's the book on Tim Lopes. He also like badly wants to hit every ball during batting practice out. Like if you watch the feed, you can just see him like watching, watching, watching. He wants every ball to go out and uh, maybe he's just anxious to come into his new dad's strength, but. (laughs) Okay. uh, Rookie of the year. How do we want to define this? Is that anyone who still has rookie eligibility or do we want to go? people who are going to make their debuts this year because that'll shorten the list a little bit. I don't know. I'm going to give it to Evan White regardless. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, he is probably the obvious candidate, especially if we're counting Lewis out. Yeah. I. Hmm. No, we can count Lewis, and I still think Evan White. I, I think I would go Kyle Lewis. Well, I, I might actually go Justin Dunn here just because – They've said they're going to go with a six-guy uh, six rotation. Um, it's seemingly going to be, like, lengthy priority throughout the entire year, even when it's cut down to 26 players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that could be, quite honestly, a, a very good situation for him, especially if he's building up, and especially if there are any pitchers who get hurt like he can very easily slide in there and and sort of assert himself uh yeah i'll go with dunn too i think everything that i've heard about him like watched his interviews and kind of learned about him tells me that the weirdness of this season won't really affect him that much and like that's obviously me just guessing but like having not met him and just hearing what he says to the media i think he'll be pretty prepared for the weirdness he was yeah on, no uh, i agree with that he's very level like level-headed yeah, yeah totally and he was on um ryan roland smith's podcast and they were talking about sort of his journey through baseball and like dunn mentioned because he was a reliever at one point at boston college he was like their closer and you know that allowed him to like really ramp it up and he said the boston college gun i don't know how trustworthy it is but it had him at triple digits at some point so then ryan roland smith was like oh well like if the mariners you know were to ask you to do that how would you feel about being a reliever? And Justin Dunn was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he didn't even hesitate, you know. He doesn't seem – obviously, like, every pitcher wants to be a starter. Mm-hmm. But I think if this season goes in a certain direction where they want Justin Dunn to be the closer, I think he would gladly accept that. And also it would be fun to watch to see if he can – like, you know, you can harness your – harness your – whatever it's called, your arsenal, harness your repertoire and, like, really just go all out if you're a closer. And that would be – I think a really fun experiment for Justin Dunn and probably would help him too. Cause if you're just throwing fastball slider and that's it, like you're yeah. going to get really good at throwing your fastball and slider. It mm-hmm. just stinks because it's a waste of, like you said, Dunn is really smart and he, I would hate for them to give up on him too soon because I really think that it might be a slightly longer road to get him to be a starter than to be a reliever. Like you said, like there's more to focus on. But I think, like, once he gets it, it he'll just have it. And so Yeah, that's how I feel. They can put him in any role, I guess, is what I was trying to say. I, I mean, you listen to okay him talk, and you're like, that's a, that's a starting pitcher talking. That's how I feel. Yeah, about. that's true. Okay, then, final question comes from friend of the pod, Brittany Bush Belay, who wants us to recast the Breakfast Club with Mariners players. So this is just the core, what is it, five? The five students who are in the library for the whole movie. Right. It's uh, the bad not, boy, the princess, yeah. the athlete, the... 
the brain, the brain, and the basket case, and the basket case. Which again, very eighties that that is how Ali Sheedy's character is described. The only basket case I recognize is Green Days. I don't. I feel like I never <laughs> even heard that that term before it, that song entered my life. You know, like I didn't realize that that was describing a crazy shut-in person or whatever. But this is kind of a hard one because I don't feel like the Mariners, starting with Bad Boy, I feel like the Mariners don't really have a natural bad boy. I mean, I, baseball players in general yeah. are not really bad well, boy types. I mean, Verlander, I think, would be a good argument for that. But, but he's I such think... a different type of bad boy, you know? Like, I'm thinking of, when I think of, like, bad boys, I'm thinking of, like, unfortunately, like, Jose Canseco. Someone like that who, like, truly just <laughs> yeah, does no. not give a fuck about the rules. Albert Bell was like, a, I mean, unnecessarily in some yeah. ways, but like there were like play, you know, players who, like A Rod was somewhat bad, a bad boy. boy. Yeah, Odor, Rugnet Odor, is kind oh, of yeah. a bad boy. Yeah, but, yeah the Mariners don't really Nick have like Dietrich. a Nick Dietrich. Nick Dietrich also. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, I don't know that they. No, it's not really the Mariners' culture to have uh, someone like that around. Maybe Danny Valencia. I bet Danny Valencia thought he was the bad boy. <laughs> I mean, quite honestly, Marco Gonzalez is like... That was my answer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's probably the closest thing, just in terms of both, obviously, the most... One of the more established players and well-recognized, but also, like... Mouthy. Marco gets mouthy. Not not a shit taker. No. Does not want the Blue Jays fans (laughs) coming in and taking a shit on our dining room table or whatever he's... I believe he said dump because he's Marco Gonzalez, but... Uh, yeah, I think Marco is definitely... Dunking on John Heyman, too, on Twitter, saying that... Yes. Basically asking, like, who are you talking to, John? Name names. Yes. That was so funny. That was... Uh, Marco grew so much in my estimation that day. It was already pretty high, but... Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think Marco is the closest thing they have. He's got to be the closest. And he's kind of yeah. leaning into that whole, like, vocal leader thing. Like, talk to the media, be the spokesperson for the team. Like, a little fiery... Uh, so maybe not exactly the traditional bad boy, but I agree with you. Kind of the closest thing we have. All right. What about princess? That's kind of a tough one, too. Oh, because... I have. No, I have an idea. Oh, for you that. got one? Who's your uh, princess? Yes, it's Kyle Lewis. Oh. Um, look at how Kyle Lewis is dressed right now as he's taking batting practice. Uh, Kyle Lewis is wearing his full. Kyle Lewis is like going to physically create a barrier between himself and the coronavirus. So he's like high (laughs) socks, full, you know, the pants, hoodie worn over the batting helmet with the mask at all times, sleeves, gloves, like Kyle Lewis is not exposing any inch of skin to the coronavirus. Um, And I think is also like, I just think Kyle Lewis likes to have things a certain way. Uh, We've seen him opine. Yeah, I kind of get that vibe, yeah. Alcohol is terrible for you. Wine. Yeah, that is a out. big Molly Ringwald like characteristic in that movie too. Like she's very set in her ways until the end, obviously. Spoiler right. alert. Has, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen, seen a forty year old movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like she's like she has her view on life and thinks that's like that is the only way to do it. And then being around other people exposes her to oh, maybe I'm not correct about everything. And I think there is a lot of Kyle Lewis in there. Yeah. Probably for a lot of high draft picks, too, they think that way. We're like, well, I got to, you know, the big leagues by doing it this way. So that seems pretty in line with Molly Ringwald. Good answer from Kate. Thank you. Thank I, you. I was going to struggle with that one, so I'm glad you had it teed up. John, do you have any? Well, yeah, I'm trying to think about it. Like, I, Kyle Lewis, I think, is probably right about the, the, the best I can think of. I feel like 
JP Crawford has a little bit of that. Like he was also like a top pick and is like a little bit like yeah, elevated, elevated above. But I think he's also, I mean, like just in reading about him a little bit, it's, it seemed like he's very much like settled into like being more of an engaged like teammate and leader. Not that he was like a bad mm-hmm. teammate or leader or anything. Um, but I, I think that that maybe was that maybe would have been a fit and i think he's he's shifted a little more into one of the guys um and and a little more laid back yeah okay for the athlete i feel like we have to make that like who is the most stereotypical because obviously all of them are athletes altavilla oh good answer good answer yeah. I think Dan Altavilla would definitely be a wrestler too. I don't know if anyone actually knows the answer to that, but I could see him wrestling in high school. For or even sure. like in the clubhouse, like trying to get people to wrestle him. <laughs> definitely arm wrestling contests, I think. Um, the best part of that Emilio Estevez character though is his like really outdated insults, you know? Like, <laughs> I think he says there's a point where like he's arguing with Judd Nelson, the bad boy guy, and he's like, Don't come near me or I'll waste you. Like, yes. <laughs> That seems like something Dan Altavilla would say. Yeah. <laughs> In that's, this day and age. I was going to say Tom Murphy actually also sort of fits oh. that. Like, oh, I have Tom Murphy very... for a different a different character. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear that then. But just because like, he is very sort of – he like he seems like kind of a lighthearted person person in some ways but he's also like very intense very muscular and also like very serious about the things that he likes which are wild Uh, (laughs) like (laughs) yeah i don't know like his family was involved he has a lot of instagrams of him like running and dragging heavy things up hills because his family is involved in i i I think Highland Games or, or some other like oh. similar thing in, in from in up in uh, northern uh, northern New York, um, which is which is where he's natively from, uh, West Monroe near near sort of Buffalo area. Yeah, here we go. Big fan of the Irish sport of hurling. Okay. Um, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, which is sort of like uh, rugby slash. Gaelic football, but it yeah, I don't know. Anyways, so he's yeah, he he's an interesting uh character and that's that's a little wrestling y to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Okay, do we have a brain on the Mariners? Who's the Anthony Michael Hall who's just obsessed with all of his social clubs? He's like listing all of his clubs and then they're like, So do you have a social life? And he goes, Well those are those are kind of social. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about like his specific dialogue in that movie, where he's talking about how like the chess club is basically how he interacts with people. I mean, after listening to Joey Gerber correctly use the word facade in a sentence, I'm <laughs> tempted to make it Joey Gerber. I think you're. I think it would have to be one of the younger people. I mean, Logan Gilbert has like kind of reputation for being like a cerebral. Right, and pitcher. since now we know they're friends, like maybe all of them together, Cal, Joey Gerber, and Logan Gilbert are like the chess club of the Mariners players. But also <laughs> sneaky, funny. That's a big part of that yeah. character too. Yeah, I was gonna say That's I could put Art Joey Warren Gerber. down for that. The brain, uh, yeah, it was like very definitely cerebral about things, but also like kind of got a got a bit of like entertain entertaining mm. sort of. I would say Justin Dunn too, although he has too much swagger. Justin Dunn fits from like the cerebral standpoint, but I think is too swaggy not, to not be the enough. Anthony Michael Hall character. Yeah. 
I think that's correct. Okay, and then the the Ali Sheedy <laughs> the basket, basket case. case. The person who in the movie is like making art with her dandruff. <laughs> that feels like a relief pitcher move. Like, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. The Mariners, oh, yeah. the Mariners bullpen has yeah. turned over so many times that I don't really know anything about these people anymore. It's definitely the relievers who are the weirdest ones, but this is where I have uh, Tom Murphy because I feel like the Ali Sheedy characters, you're just like, I don't know what behavior to expect from this person. And that's yeah. how I feel like uh, about Tom Murphy is just, I don't know what to expect Tom Murphy to Absolutely. be doing. That cartwheel he did in the dugout is the equivalent yes. of when she talks for the first time in the movie and they're like, holy shit, you can do that? <laughs> Where did that come from? Yeah. God, yeah. I remember how excited Amanda, staff writer Amanda Lane was about that. Like that, that was like a week of pure joy for Amanda on that. That I mean, that who was a gymnastic lover of gymnastics. Yeah. So I mean, I think she was planning on writing like a break, a gymnastics breakdown of the cartwheel. At some yeah. point. I don't think we ever got that, but you're but on I mean, notice. Just look, at, just look at Tom Murphy's eyes and tell me that that's not the, the eyes yeah. of a, somebody who could be considered a basket case. Well, that's fun. under I'm a broad at bre- and non-ableist uh, term. I hope. I'm looking at Breakfast Club quotes right now, and when Claire, when Molly Ringwald is doing Ali Sheedy's makeup, she goes, "Yo, you look a lot better with all, without all that black shit under your eyes." And then Allison Reynolds goes, "Hey, I like all that black shit." That feels like kind of a Tom Murphy thing. Absolutely. He's like, "Hey, I have my weirdness, and I'm okay with it. I want <laughs> these eyes are a part of me, and I'm not changing them." Yeah. I was gonna, man. I mean, I was, I was trying to think of another answer because I think that is pretty dang good. And all I can see, like, I'm actually closing my eyes and just trying to like go through in my head like the various different players in this group. And all I'm seeing are Tony Zick's eyes just <laughs> just staring out at me, and they it haunt is you. they're haunting. They're I mean, haunting. I, yeah. man, I really like Tony Zick. <laughs> I could totally hear Zick or Tom Murphy or really any player who's ever played for the Mariners saying, when you grow up, your heart dies, which is another (laughs) quote from that character. I would also like to point out somebody who has a big personality that I didn't really realize until I started following him on Instagram, mostly because I saw he was commenting on everyone else's posts. Like he's always got something to say, and that's Austin Adams. Oh yes, actually that that fits it pretty nice. Because just got the gum chewing constantly, yeah. just like yeah, he's got that wild gum chewing and just everything he does is like a little. It's very, I guess, iconoclastic. Very like just him. Austin Adams is absolutely him, and I feel like now he's kind of settled into like, oh, I'm one of the better relievers in this weird bullpen i have this place and he's just willing to let his freak flag fly i'm excited to watch austin adams this year actually very very specific to mariners dumb (laughs) sentence (laughs) i know i was so happy to see him on the mound the other day in t-mobile after the last time we saw him was you know he was crying out in pain after tearing his acl so yeah that was tough a triumphant return seemingly you know it seems like no a ton of time and yet also no time has passed since we last saw a baseball game in T-Mobile but that was definitely one of my last enduring memories of last year so it's nice to wipe that out and start fresh absolutely and that's what we do every episode here folks <laughs> nice segue. nice oh yeah we try to have that athlete uh they always talk about having you know a short memory so we uh we take the things that are positive from the last episodes and completely memory hole everything that was bad 
and that's how you get sparkling content every week or at sort of every week times are <laughs> times are unprecedented right now folks yeah but more now that we have like uh the perfect storm of like having actual baseball to talk about and then there's a group of players all trapped in rooms with nothing yeah. to do and no playstation if anyone wants to deliver a playstation to joey gerber at the embassy suites like by all means you know that you can send it up with milton <laughs> Totally, but also like, don't stock them. Like, please do not actually <laughs> try to no, contact no. the Mariners <laughs> through Embassy yeah. Suites. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should bleep that. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, Kate and John, obviously for indulging me. Uh, you can follow all of us. I'm at M Robertson twenty two. Kate is at Kate Prusser. John is at John Troopin. Read Lookout Landing, follow the account on Twitter if you're into that sort of thing. We will have updates on summer camp and soon the real season. Um, and I'm sure we'll have sort of a Mariners preview thing, whatever the stunted version of that will be for what will forever be known as the coronavirus season. But <laughs> nevertheless, podcasting will continue and we hope you'll join us next time. Uh, but until that happens, goodbye. Bye. We really gotta go down, girl, man But come on, but come on If the pick we're gonna make it Better hang on to yourself Oh, we can't dance, we don't talk much We just fall and play, but